0: As far as jobs and social change, um, what could what could, we're talking about blacks, the community um, in the 40s Well, segregation and 50s was
1: still primarily existing even in the 50s, the early 50s. Segregation Talk was still that. here at school, you know. The school integration, I think, was 1954. Right. But again, that was just on the books. It wasn't a reality. As we know, segregation still existed, uh, just like it certainly did in medicine. I would say, you asked me about the type of blacks, all right, I went into practice in 1944. And that's where I can tell you about the jobs. They're the patients that I saw. There, and Most of them were school teachers. School teachers at that time had one of the best jobs because it had a certain amount of permanency to it. And uh, uh, so they were uh, pretty well paid. We had people in the, in civil service and the post office in those days. Blacks had good jobs there. They had pretty good jobs in the factories, Chevrolet out here in Fenton. And also, this place on Union had just closed. Uh, they, they did a lot of work there in factories, and a lot of small businesses were handled by blacks as a result of segregation. For instance, you couldn't go to a white barbershop. So many things that now you just take for granted. Therefore, the blacks restaurants, for instance, you couldn't go eat in a white place. So therefore, the black restaurants did very well. And they were nice restaurants uh, that were developed. They even had black hotels which is pretty good, because you couldn't stay in a white hotel. So therefore, as a result of segregation, as you see all through the South too, was here, Mm -hmm. because they developed, because you had to go there. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they uh, developed expertise. They were nice, clean, and of course, they didn't have the financial backing that the whites had. What else was
0: there? Okay, you Mm -hmm. said, you said...
1: uh, Well, there was teachers, musicians. No, 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 I'm
0: talking about businesses.
1: Businesses, or there were barbershops, Mm -hmm. beauty parlors, Mm -hmm. restaurants, Hotels, Mm -hmm. uh, even some gas stations that were were black, Mm -hmm. and they were in like the Ville in the neighborhood, and uh, they had uh, like cleaning, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cleaning, cleansing, various types of of, uh, creams were devised Mm -hmm. by blacks, which were there for their skin and not for the white, and the hair, they had different hair products. Mm -hmm. Poro, Poro College was worldwide famous right here in St. Louis, and they develop all these cosmetics primarily for black people. Uh, athletics, for instance. Now, as I say here again, in the school, some of the best coaches were blacks here in those days. Uh, like Sumner High School and Vashon. yeah, they hired a lot of black people. And, of course, they turned out a lot of students that went in other areas into in sports and in various things. But now we had, and then doctors. I think you had to put doctors. There were a lot of medical people black in those days that perhaps didn't come only from homophilus, they came from, uh, from other black places. And a few of them, again, a sprinkling, came from white institutions. Yeah, they I were guess. in the laboratory, like bacteriologists. They were chemists, and that comprised a pretty large segment of our population. These people were trained technicians.
0: In Detroit, yeah. could you eat where you wanted to eat?
1: No, no.
0: You
1: couldn't. No. No. Wayne was right on Woodward, never forget that. One of my classmates wanted to duck in there and get something. I said, I can't eat. I said, what? Oh, I can't. I was amazed. You can't eat in there, dog. Mm-hmm. And he, he was surprised. Because I
0: so, know some people that came from the East were not used to the segregation no, of no, St. No, St. no, mm-hmm.
1: no, but it's in Detroit the same way. Mm-hmm. Detroit was highly segregated. See, one of the worst race riots ever in history was in Detroit. Because it wasn't Detroit people. Detroit, I'm not getting off the point here, but Detroit brought in a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of as we say, because and of the red workers, workers, red-nosed people, and they were very pregnant. Rednecks. Rednecks. <laughs> they came from the south because the the jobs attracted them. Mm-hmm. See, those factories paid pretty good money, especially and during the war. Oh yeah, and they brought people in from yeah. Georgia, Mississippi, and they settled in Detroit. Therefore, Detroit gave you a hard time for blacks. <laughs>
0: but St. Louis <laughs> had an influx also from right. the south. That's um, right, the south. From That's, for the so war. The
1: Negroes came from the war. And here we were of course known for our shoe factory didn't the shoe factory so we're. but I would say that that most well I put it this way we had a few lawyers lawyers weren't doing too well in those days so not the black lawyers because here again they ran into the same thing in all honesty that we ran into with doctors yes. there was certain fear that if you really wanted to get a law case out you'd go to the white doctor well mm-hmm. that wasn't true, a lot of the blacks were coming, but we had that stigma, just like mm-hmm. I had the stigma when I opened up. Mm-hmm. And unless some white person said I was good, I was hard to be able to get a black patient to come to so, the office. So
0: when was the public accommodations? That was in the 64. Yes. Uh, what What was it like to be able to go, well, that's, that's we're in the 60s now, but, but did things open up at
1: all? Yeah, they opened up, but a lot of the blacks didn't, didn't avail themselves of these accommodations right away. They had a sort of resentment. All these years they kept it up, and that that amazed the white population. That amazed them, the mayor. Because when they opened these they didn't just break the doors down getting in. They did because they continued to do what they'd been doing for years and years and years. Dr.
0: Was it, was, was it resentment, or was it
1: concern and fear? No, it wasn't the fear, it was resentment. You see, we didn't have the fear here that they had yeah, I, well, I, don't, the I don't mean
0: fear that, that something would happen to them, but, but fear of the, uh, uh, the not knowing how they were going to be treated and received. Well,
1: I don't think that was it so much. I think they, they were comfortable where they were, and they stayed where they were. And, and uh, they, they, well, how should I put it? It was to let them know, all these years you served, so just like the golf courses. When the golf course didn't work, the blacks didn't just flock out there to play. And that surprised them. They thought they'd be beating the up, but they didn't. They felt we are gonna play where we've been, we on the city court and we've been playing. In other words, I think so it, it, it boils down to one thing, and, and I think this explains a lot of what the black man was, was about. The black man wasn't so anxious to go to the theaters when the white man opened them up. What the black man wanted, I think this is what I've said over and over again on the radio and I'll say it anywhere. He wanted the option that you or the white person has. You can go to the theater when you want to, or not go when you want We wanted that same option. We didn't want to be forced to go to the Fox if we didn't want to go to the Fox. But my little girl stood right across from the Fox, Now we will forget it. said, Daddy, why can't I go there? Well, I had to go along to the can. But this is the thing we hated about segregation. We didn't want to be dictators and now you must go to the Fox, you Fox. No, that wasn't the point at all. We wanted the same option. Just like Martin Luther King with the buses. The blacks got mad because they were forced to sit in the back. What they wanted was the same option that the white man had. He could sit in the back, he could sit in the middle, he could sit in the front, anywhere he wanted. That's the same option we wanted. Freedom of choice. Freedom of choice. And I think that should be stressed. And that's why History will show that when these people open up all this stuff, that they didn't knock it down like they thought. Same way with segregation out to the ballpark. I just to sit way out in the bleach you didn't know what the devil was going on. Unless you had binoculars, you couldn't see nothing much. They, so when they opened up the stands, the blacks didn't just flock in there like they thought. They wanted the option. Now, later on, they began. So I think this should be said. It's hard for some, for some people to understand that. See, that all we want was freedom of choice. Doing what we want to do and be able to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Like everybody else. If they don't want to go in the theater, they don't. you don't want to go eat here, you don't. But In other words, I should say uh, that we wanted the right to go. Be able to go. And I think that should be stressed because to me, whether it's in medicine or whatever it is, this is an option that we would like to have. Did
0: you know anything about the feelings of the black soldier?
1: No, I wasn't in the Army. No,
0: I know, but I, I just wondered if you had any contacts with it. I didn't have too back. much
1: feeling, except some of the doctors were in the armed services, and mm-hmm. I've heard them talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Whitico and Dr., the late Dr. Bill Allen, who was a, a colonel, uh, he talked about it extensively when they went to Fort Huachuca, and then they went, some of them went overseas. But I've had no experience at all with the armed service. Mm-hmm.
0: Where did you live?
1: during the 40s and 50s? Well, I, I, I lived at Homer Phillips first because I wasn't married and I stayed there. Uh, but then I, I bought a home over on Wagner Place, over on the West End. Wagner Place was about uh, next to Cora. It's about uh, two blocks north of Martin Luther King, they call it now, but that's days it was Eastern Avenue. Now it's called Martin Luther King Boulevard, kind of fancy. Uh-huh. So it was on the West End. I stayed there for seven years. Uh, uh mm-hmm. no, no. When I, I we moved there in 1944, yeah, and then in uh, in 1953, then I moved out at Hanley Road, and that's where we had our property. But uh, Hanley Road we stayed there until 1956, I believe. And then we got this property of that Creek Court. That's all. Are you familiar with that? Uh,
0: well, I am, but I want you to talk about no, it well, because that has to do with restrictive covenants.
1: Yes, it does, yeah. So, well, in uh, in 1953, we moved in this home on Hanley Road. It was a very fine one. woman had a little golf course, which I had made, and we loved to play. It very nice. Right? And then the highway comes through and took it. So, in 19— Is
0: that
1: right? Right, Highway 40, and 40. Had not far from you. Hanley Road, Highway 40. Right. That's where my house was, where okay. the highway was. But the highway took the house when they—so, we had to move, so we moved, and we we uh, heard about some property being available out in Greve Cork, called Speedy Meadows. It was about uh, one block uh, uh, east of Lodu Road. It was halfway between Lodu Road and Olive Street. Road. And uh, this contractor, or developer, named uh, what's his name? That's not but Anyway, they said they had a plaque out there which was we're going to call Speedy Meadows, and they had 22 acres of ground there, and they were going to put. The blacks in there. Well, we didn't know what was going on. and uh, So this fellow's name was O'Donnell, he was a real estate man, and he was a one. So we decided this looked pretty good, so we went out and saw this property, we put a certain amount of money down. Just and
0: you, or with your other
1: people? You know, there no, were, there were 16 other people in this thing with us. But we were the only one that actually built anything. Nobody were, else built.
0: There were 16 blacks. Yeah,
1: before. 16 black doctors. Now, the did too. the
0: real estate, everybody was it, were they aware that you were, uh, that
1: you were black? Yeah, the real estate, but the people weren't so much. The people in the surrounding area became a little indignant. And it became very, very critical for us. But uh, we, we uh, put this one and let me, well, let me go into a kind of detail so that we get the proper perspective here now. So they came to us and said that this property was available while we lived in, and we had to leave our place here. In fact, we stayed at this hotel I guess for about, oh, about a year or so, because we didn't have anywhere to go, and we didn't have a home and we were trying to build out here in Pevecourt. Right that Kingsway Hotel, which we used to mm. been torn down. Anyway, I'll make a long story short. So then, we propositioned with O'Donnell, he happened to be a real estate man, and he said, Okay, so we put a certain amount of money down, and the probably won't say the price, I don't think that's relevant at this time, but at least. There were 16 of us that went into this. But then the word circulated around that this was black, so forth, and, and the people in the community became a little resistant. And it all ended up with the fact that we were actually not supposed to build. The whole thing was a charade from the beginning, which we didn't know.
0: A charade?
1: A charade. There was never any intent for any of us to build anything in there. What happened was, and we found this out through our lawyers, that the idea was to cause a stir in the curve community that blacks were moving in. So, that being the case, he sold this land to the blacks and got them so, the neighbors so upset that he got the black people scared because they were scared, they said, and they all turned the money back to him. And then he turned around and sold the property to the white people for twice what they paid. So he made a fortune. He made something like $250,000 off the whole deal. But what he wasn't counting on was how rentable line was different than I am today. Better bad. We decided we had bought our property. We were the only one. We had bought our property cash. We owned it. And he couldn't take it away. And that caused him a amount. Now his architect, whom we had, we bought him out. And he started building a house for us. And that wasn't in the plan. We were never supposed to build anything, we found that out in court. Now one other thing, the Jewish people were in the same pot. The Temple Israel was right on the corner of this same long block. They were having problems with the same people. They tried to keep them from building Temple Israel. They said, uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. So we were both in court at the same time. So their lawyers and our lawyers worked together to fight this thing which was vicious. They were against them because they were Jewish, they were against me because they were black. And they had to make up these very stupid laws to take care of both of us. But what happened? The law they made up for the Jews let us in. The laws they made up for us let the Jews in. So they were really in a predicament. It was interesting because the whole thing revolved around eminent domain. Eminent domain was the thing they decided to get both of us out. Eminent domain, they could get us out, declare that whole property a park, which is today. Birney Park, Birney was the mayor, so they made a park, six acre park. We own four acres, our set mark, so they added two more acres. That's what they call make a look legitimate. So they would go with the uh, the church with Temple Israel. Say, eminent domain, we're going to make that a park, and it can't be a church. All right. Well, make a long story. That case went all the way to the Supreme Court. Ours did. But, the judge finally ruled that eminent domain has priority. But even though that eminent domain was based on prejudice, because they tried to buy us out about ten times, we wouldn't sell. Then they slapped on this eminent domain, which showed. Now, then they went to the Jewish people and what they didn't realize that religion had priority over eminent domain. And that's why Temple Israel won. The judge ruled that that religion as priority. Now, here's where they made the mistake. They sold those 20 acres to Temple Israel, and they want to make a park out of it. And the judge said, oh, you can't do that. He said, why do you think the church bought that park? They weren't going to build a baseball park. It was a church now. They were going to build a temple. So they threw it out, and Temple Israel was able to build. They had us on eminent domain. Now, the interesting thing in this whole thing, and history will show, is it almost defies imagination. But the woman who came out for us was Miss Weir, whose husband, right after that, was shot and killed on the job on Olive Street Road by one of his... He was a water commissioner. Shot dead. And I wrote her a letter. In fact, I went out to see her because she was one of the lonely ones that came out in our defense. And what she said rang around the world. If you ever get that paper. She said, we need another park like we need a hole in the head. She came out and called me and said, Dr. Venom, what they're trying to do with you is ridiculous. We don't need another park and Creve Court. We can't find our children now. And it's a damn shame. And These were her words, that a nice man like you, a distinguished ophthalmologist known nationally, can't find a place to put your family here. She said that. All right, now, we got other half from Archbishop Ritter. Archbishop Ritter came out and said, everyone I catch protesting Dr. Venable fight will be excommunicated from my church. They had a meeting out there in his house on Mosley Road or something where he was living. So we had a lot of support. Letters came from us. But what happened, you see, the councilmen, there were four of them, they were getting money all the way from California, New Mexico to fight this thing. We didn't know it, it was a big one, to keep us out. They were getting paid some of $20,000 more money than they'd ever seen in this world to vote us out. All right. Well, they succeeded. But let me tell you what happened, and this has been common. Knowledge. After they left office, the new mayor invited us to come back in there and build, finish building. See, the house was halfway up, and they condemned it. House was there.
0: Who was the mayor?
1: Hmm. Mayor, Birney. Birney. was the mayor. Was the time. new mayor? No, no, he was he was a mayor
0: who's the one that
1: came in. I don't know who he was. But anyway he said t- we could come back. But by that time we had started building ball where we are now. Somebody said, No, right, we're not going through that somewhere. Um but I'm sure you how things changed. We were asked to come back in there and the people voted for four councilmen out. They voted them out That fought against them. so that's what that happened. But that case went all the way to Supreme Court and had a lot to do with Covenant and everything else, you say Freedom of Residence, they helped right. us, because we stuck it out, but it helped a lot of other people. There, so was, there was a similar case in Deerfield, similar to ours, in which our case helped them. Same thing, they had 31 acres, and eight people moved in there and they condemned the whole 31 acres. How did Freedom of
0: Residence help you?
1: It helped us by giving us counseling. We, they helped us with meetings. I guess I went to about 30, 40 different meetings and just told them what my problem was, and they helped us. They wrote to certain congressmen, they wrote to the state. They were very helpful. I'm trying to think of this lady who was... Porter. Insta- yeah, Porter. And not only that, there was... There no, was another lady. Porter was... Oh, her. do you know Hay- Hattie Epstein? Yeah, Hattie Epstein. Sure, she helped us. Oh, tremendously. And she they gave little uh, social affairs to help us. And, and even in those days, I, and uh, so She that, has to be remembered, yeah, Huh? Oh, she did? Oh, she was so nice. But I mean, but our case, No, because unless you stand up and fight, you don't have a case. All the other people took their money out because they scared them. They scared them. Said, if you don't get your money out of here, you'll lose every nickel. I went to them and said, look, you can't lose your money. If you, that lot is yours. Even though it's down, it's like a car. If you make a down payment on a car, that car is yours. Unless you default on the payments, they can't take that away. They got scared. They said, oh, no. And the irony of it is, after all these years, only one person has built a home today that was in there with me. I went out and built a home right away. So if they were so anxious to get out, they said, we're going to build a home, we don't want that. They haven't built it. Nobody's built a home. So it just shows you how, how life is. None of them had built a home yet. They moved in somewhere, apartments or something. A lot of them in the same home that they were in then.
0: Was something like this written up a lot in the Argus oh, yeah, in the Post Dispatch? It was
1: written, not on the Post Dispatch, it was written in national papers. Mm-hmm. It was written up all over the country. My mother was reading it in Detroit. It was everywhere I go, they knew. Because when it went to the Supreme Court, it was national news, mm-hmm. this Creeve Court issue.
0: But how did you, how did, I mean, like your patients, how, how were you? How was it? Well, the
1: page on all new because it was I in know, the paper I, 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 every day.
0: But how, how, what kind of feedback did you get?
1: Well, it was mixed. It was mixed. I should say some of the people resented it because they were trying to move to Green Why don't you stay on Taylor? Why don't you stay on East? Why don't you stay on uh, Enright? Why you have to go out there? Here again. Were they afraid that you were making
0: trouble for them, too? No,
1: no. They, they had feelings. Some of my must have felt I thought I was better. And that wasn't the point. Uh, My point was going back to what we said, I wanted freedom of choice. I wanted to be able to move anywhere that I had money I felt I could move to. Just like a white doctor with comparable uh, financial status could move anywhere he wanted. And that's that's all I wanted. Because nobody could say I I did, because I spent 90% of my time in the Negro community. Helping, a lot of times, helping and never got a dime. I work with all of the the uh, agencies. There must civil have been, agencies.
0: there must have been a pull, a pull for for Negroes at that time. A what? A pull. Uh, uh,
1: what do you mean?
0: Well, uh, uh, difficult decisions in wanting, as you say, the freedom of choice uh, to be able to do things, and yet. Um, Emotionally, emotionally for whatever reason and whatever background you had yeah. uh, not wanting to step out, being afraid, being concerned, not not having uh, support. You, know, you found support. Maybe some people didn't find support. Maybe they didn't even look for it. Uh, you
1: well, you know, see, as I go through I said, my life, sister, sister said you had, you it's had, the same thing in all areas. And that's... There's a, there's a common thing that runs through all of these. Same way in the hospitals. Same way on the golf course. As God would have it do, I was a spirit. Same way in golf. Nobody else cared, I was the one. I went to the paper went down there and blasted them. But when, they, when it was open, those other guys beat me to the golf course. But they wouldn't stand up and say one thing in the meeting. Same way in housing. Same way in the hospitals. The hospitals, there were 16 hospitals. Now that's important in the history that the, that the church-affiliated hospital, and this is all in the post-dispatch and all the part of history, which is very important. It's the same thing. Sixteen hospitals would not, appet- would not admit Negro doctors to their staff, which was terrible. And some of these were affiliated with the church, and that's how I got into it, because I was vice president of the Metropolitan Church Federation. And when they elected me vice president, this was my entering lecture, and I took the office. And I condemned them that there were 16 hospitals in this area affiliated with this organization that will not take a black doctor. They couldn't believe it. I said, I've done the survey. I'm listing their names. You know, Dr. Too. The Post sent people out. That time we had the, uh, what's this other paper? Star. Star. They all sent their people out. And they revealed the same hospital, and every one of them was the same as what I St. Luke's was the main, because I was mad at St. Luke because I'm Episcopalian all my life, practically. And it so happened that Father uh, uh, Nicholson, who was my priest at All Saints on King's High, had a thyroid, wanted to go in the hospital. He wanted to go to St. Luke's, which was his uh, choice. He was Episcopalian, Episcopal Hospital. They said, uh-uh, you can't be in St. Luke's. You can't bring Dr. Vellman in here. Dr. Sinkler was his surgeon. Dr. Smith was his intern. We were all members of all things. I was his ophthalmologist. Uh-uh. Sorry. So he ended up going to Peoples. But then to show you, I blasted them. Like me, I blasted them. I said, this is ridiculous. Here we got a black priest, these doctors, and we're all qualified, and we can't get in St. Luke's. What's the problem? I said, well, you're black. That's problem. Okay. And they told Father Ninnah, a lot of peace would have gone on and went to St. Luke's and left us out, he could that's what it but He said, no, I'm not gonna do it. But here again, to show you how ridiculous segregation is, it just doesn't make any sense at all. So I applied to St. Luke's. Mm-hmm. And here's where the papers took it up and really helped me. After five years, I hadn't even looked at my application. Finally, the papers jumped on them. I wrote him another letter. And the media just torn people. What's wrong? What's, what's happening here with Dr. Brown? said, so, well, we looked at his application and it's not current. They said, what are you talking about? How can it be current when it's been lying in your files for five years? And this Fitzpatrick, who makes these little uh, pictures in the paper, mm-hmm. he showed them dusting off my files.
0: Oh, really? Uh,
1: I mean, that made them sick. Mm-hmm. Until this day, St. Luke, Luke's would not let me understand. They called me a rabble rouser. But as a result of that, now this show you what can happen. Mm-hmm. The St. Louis Metropolitan Church Federation, let it be known that they were forming a, what they call uh, a board, a committee, mm-hmm. to go around and check each hospital files and to see why they can't take any files. Now this is a matter of history, and I feel good about it because I feel that I must say that I did it. You they, they just, and here was the thing, just the fact that they said they were coming was all they needed. Within six months, now this is history, every one of those hospitals started to come back. Everyone, just a threat to show how stupid this whole thing was. They didn't want them to come and find out what I had found because that would have been shameful. What to year deal. was this approximately? That was about 19... 19- i say about 1963, because I became chairman in 1962. That's why I know what it was, because the Post blasted it on their front page. Dr. Venable condemned 16 hospitals for racism in this area. And every one of them, St. Luke's was heading the list. I felt worse about St. Luke's because I thought of any hospital. Here I am, Episcopal. I was senior warden, I, and I should be able to treat a black priest who was Episcopalian in an Episcopal hospital. So, it, so just the threat, it all opened it out, but they didn't take me, but they took other black doctors. Okay, but that will show you what can be done. Now, every one of those hospitals has black doctors. But it had to be, had to be mm-hmm. spirited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I say, none of those doctors put up a fight. I did it all by myself. Nobody else would come to my aid. They wouldn't get on the radio. They mm-hmm. said, no, doctor, we don't want to get involved, Dr. Malo. I said, what do you mean, get involved? No, So okay, I'll do it myself. But they so happened, everybody benefited but me. But not only that, Lutheran took me right away. Uh, Christian's Hospital Northeast, Northwest took me right away. And so other hospitals, St. Joseph out here, where I'm close to live now, they took me right away. So I mean, so, but St. Matthew's, I mean St. Uh, Luke's was one that would not take me. They just felt I was a rabbi. So okay, I don't need you. Did the NASDP have uh,
0: anything? But they
1: didn't do anything. They, they, they said they would, just like the NAACP, when we went to court, they they what you call they become joint, uh, but they didn't do anything particularly. They helped us. Really, you know. We didn't get any finance from them. And as it turned out, that's about the way we want. My wife and I said, let's put in our own money, and we'll do it ourselves. You talking at the housing, right? Uh, yeah. Under, or we'll with different. the hospital, yeah. no, they didn't do anything. The NAACP, nobody helped us out with that. Uh, uh, the did NAACP, did before, have anything
0: to do. With the, the, with
1: the hospital? No, with the... CORE, no, court didn't have anything to do with... But the Freedom of Residence helped Freedom us out in housing. Mm-hmm. NAACP became, what do they call it? Uh, friend of court or something like that, that is the word they use With us in our fight. Mm-hmm. But they didn't put up any money. We, mm-hmm. My wife and I felt we wanted to do that ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that way we wouldn't be obligated to anybody. we go on and fight this thing, but it helped so many people. See, because right after that... Jewish people moved all around them, because of course, with Temple of Israel, they moved all around the church. See, they're against Jewish people too, that was odd, because they didn't want their church there. Mm-hmm. So that helped them. Mm-hmm. And I and I could have been back in there, but my wife and I decided no, we had already started to build mm-hmm. in Baldwin. So, but the, whole, the hospitals have opened up and we were happy to see that.
0: So your life has really uh, been one of constant change. Yes, it
1: has, yeah. It has. Because I've suffered, tremendously, but I'm not bitter, and that's one thing I will say honestly, and I think I try to teach that to them, don't be bitter. A lot of people have gone through these things, you turn the other cheek, but I say somewhat facetiously, you soon run out of cheeks. But Mm -hmm. you have to, because somewhere down the line, there's people that will help you. And and that's what I mean by that, there's people like you and other people, like this historical thing, that was so nice. Because, th- in other words, I think the mistake we make, and I've said that honestly and you know, openly, that we get too self-conscious. And one person got up and said that in, uh, in, in, at one of our meetings when we were having trouble with housing in court one of the seminars we had. Well, Dr. Van don't you just hate everybody? I said, no, I don't hate Because you people here tonight, the people that have written my wife and I hundreds and hundreds of letters, Showing that you just uh, uh, hate this type of thing, that you condemn the type of thing they're doing, shows us that there's friends and there's just people that love us and we love them. And I said, and that that's what we want. I said, these people are in a minority that are fighting us, but it so happens, they occupy a strategic position, But it would be a fallacy and fallacious for me to feel that all white people are like that. I would be as dumb as crazy as they are. They can't be. Say we must work to so, show. I feel, and I say honestly, this has not made me bitter at all because I think if it had, that would have been a mistake on my part.
0: There was so much going on in the 40s and 50s yeah. as far as all over the country. Yes, there was. I mean, as yes. far as change. That's what
1: I'm saying. There was change, and, 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 and so you had to adapt to this change, uh, but you can't be bitter. You know, just go away and go on and do your best and, 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 and try to prepare yourself. And be grateful and, and and for people that are some people that help you.
0: Did you, did you uh, go to lectures when people would come from when leaders would come, or lawyers or, or other doctors would come from other parts of the country? Did that did they do that? I, I, well, I know that, that civil rights right civil rights leaders would come from different parts of the countries. But did you? You did your own civil rights. You 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 worked it in your own way. But did you have doctors come from different hospitals to to lecture and? No,
1: we didn't do that too much I in those days. In fact, it was hard to get doctors to do that. Everybody was a little wimpish in those days. You see. Well, there was, was money a, problem too. It well, there was money problem, but I must say doctors are. hard. Doctors in general are wimpy, so I will say that honestly from my association with them and being one. They are afraid to take a stand. And why I don't know because if anybody is independent, it's the doctor. He's got his practice. Yeah. He's got his it's own his individual skill. Nobody a can skill. Take away he from can't him. take that away from him. You've got to practice those patients. But the doctors are afraid like they were in Greenport. They were afraid. See, they had about 16 people. 40 of them are doctors. They're afraid. When I went up against these hospitals, the doctors were afraid. I said, what can you lose? You can't get in there now. How, how, how worth They can't take nothing away from me. You're not, but doctors, no, we just don't want to get in there. I said, what do you got to lose? Well, is
0: it, is it only doctors, or is it just
1: people at that Well, it's time? people, but I would say, to me, I was just amazed. It was doctors when they are so self-sufficient. Yeah. I said, you go you you got 20 or 30 people waiting on you. These patients are going to come to you. It isn't like some man saying the school system. Where if he bucks, the, the status quo, his job may be on the line. Your job is not on the line.
0: Yeah, but you have a history of, of being put down. And that's yeah. whether it's senior and some people or can't or
1: take that. No, you're right. Some people can't take that of being, being put down. And But a lot of people just aren't fighters. And I'm saying that honestly. I guess i not being too proud. I've been one all my life. And I felt that I had to fight. And I always felt that. That, that you're not going to get any more than you fight for. Well,
0: the 40s and 50s was a time of fighting. Was a time of yes, sit-ins? Yes. And
1: but fighting helps you too because people realize that you're not going to take a lot of stuff. And it helps you. And it helped me when I moved to Baldwin because the people yeah. felt this fight helped me very good because Baldwin was out to show Creve Corps. I say that to you and i said it before. We're going to show Creve Corps what they've missed by not having we took our plans out there. Didn't have any trouble. And it was tough out there. We had to go before the Board of aldermen. I opened an office out there. In those days, you had to take your plans out before the Board of Walden. They could reject you. It wasn't like it is now. You just pay your lease and, uh-uh. They knew who you were. we were so glad to have Well, so it worked in my favor. They were out to show this whole community that creeped for made a Did the newspapers
0: follow that oh, up? Oh yeah, they
1: did. They followed up and I built my home out there. You see, because it was a rather, out being pretty unique home. We had 12 acres, we have our own swimming pool, we have a tennis court, I got a golf course, all on my own property.
0: How which I holes? built.
1: Nine holes, but it's, it's a pitch and putt course. See, I have eight acre golf course, which I built myself, and this fellow named Link Oval from Westwood came over and helped me design. Probably, hmm?
0: When are you gonna ask me to play?
1: Do you play golf?
0: Uh-huh.
1: Well, my golf course is just, right now only half of it we use four acres, it's just pitch and putt. Uh, i cut the grass every day now and get out there early. And say, you do right? you're a pro i'll have you out there thing. <laughs> but anyway so so there was a lot they came out there and took pictures of it in the newspapers and media when we moved out and they came out and we had them out and they, like one of the guys played tennis and so forth and we have the swimming pool so you know it's 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 and we've had it for several organizations so it, it's uh, it's without again I don't want to be too personal but it's quite a a show place for people that come to the city and look at it. And in the golf course now, I'm trying to get it back in shape. It takes a little while uh. because I haven't been uh, been having too much time. But now that I'm retiring, I work on it every day because the golf course is a lot of work. But this fellow Lincoln, he's dead now. But he, he was so nice to me. He came over and worked with it. And we use eight acres. Now I just use four acres because I didn't have time, but I'm going to open up those four acres. But So that we go out there and play.
0: If you were to sum up the... 40s and 50s, could
1: you, could you do it? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say the 40s segregation was rampant, as you would expect, and as the Negroes tried to progress, they met certain obstacles. These obstacles were due to the fact that they had not been in certain areas before, which made it easier for their own people to resent it, to raise obstacles also, justly so, because they had not been in these areas. For instance, if they had a Cadillac car, they wouldn't take it to a Negro, because they didn't think you knew anything about a Cadillac. Yet, as, as the statistics show, for a large percentage of people of means of black and Cadillacs. Uh, if they wanted something really done, uh, the, they went to the white and in medicine, too. Certain areas like neurosurgery, we didn't have any. Allergy, we didn't have any. Ophthalmologists, I was only one. And uh, they didn't think we knew too much about that. So there were certain designated areas that they felt that we were not rightly or wrongly not competent in. So that created problems. Now, as the forties waned and we come into the fifties, that wasn't true as much because then the blacks did develop expertise in these areas. But you still ran into problems with the white. A lot of white resented the fact that you were becoming, you were becoming, because then you're competition. That's right. See, we were competition to them. So we ran into another phase, which was difficult to adjust to. So, uh, just like when I moved in the county, you see. I, I, I moved in in 1966. I was one of the first tenants in that building, 99% of my patients were white and my wife being a secretary I just couldn't believe. I said, Doctor you know, I just don't understand. These people send your, their children to you, to us, and they come here, they don't ask any questions. So I sat her down and said, honey, I mean, it's a different aspect. I said, because when these people see that you're trained, and they've checked me out, they know I'm at the university, they know I teach, them. that's all. They, they send their kids here, they know I'm properly trained. So they, they feel they don't ask the questions. I say, well, they don't ask questions. I said, "But yes, because your own people are still a little suspicious. Because, you see, they come from the same... It's a lot like going home to practice and practicing in St. Louis. If I went back to Wayne today and tried to open an office, there's people there that knew me when I pitched horseshoes. There's people there that knew me when I played ball. There's people there that knew me before I was a doctor. And they may just wonder, now this man, I wonder if he's really. But these people see me as a doctor, see me as a professional They have never seen me as nothing else. They don't have those questions. And it's ironic, but true.
0: Do you feel that the color of of the black skin made a difference, whether it was fair or dark?
1: I don't think so. I, I really don't think so and I'm happy to say that uh, sometimes the, the Negro that is fair runs into all sorts of complications, because they don't know what he is, and sometimes he he can integrate into the white society which he can because of his color. But another black is part another black, I don't care what color is in certain ways, and which we just laugh because we know we use the word uh, quote he's passing so far. Well, however, that can backfire. But I, I'm happy to say more and more that color doesn't seem to play a, a greater part in it used to. If you're qualified, that's the main thing, if you're qualified. but the reason for that, again, going back to what we said before, that these mothers now feel they must have their children identified with Japanese and all races, all types of creeds, because in life, this is what it is. And I'm happy to see in, in the movies, and they're showing this more and more. Like the Bill Cosby show, you couldn't put oh. that show on 10 years ago. No. Here's a black obstetrician, all the patients they showed were white, they'd have thrown that thing out, and the whole South would have turned the program off, you know that night but now they show it in this number one. It is. It's number one on the air.
0: I said to my, husband, said to my husband last night, what time is it? He says it's a few minutes before sure, seven. Sure, I sure.
1: said, I'll see you. But sure, <laughs> sure. But but this isn't just on, on, on the tube. It happens every day. That black doctors are treating some places all white patients. And white doctors are treating all black patients. I said, out in the county. For years and years, I guess I was out there about eight or ten years before I had a single black patient. And now I've been out there, as I say, I opened in uh, uh, 1966, and I guess I've seen about eight or ten black patients in all that time. So you see, the people accept you more and more, and God knows I'm black, I'm not a mulatto or anything, it can't confuse me, but I think more and more people accept you, which I think is encouraging, on your qualifications. And rather than the color of your skin, that all goes back, I think, to the late Martin Luther King. One day, people will accept it, as he said. He hope his children can walk down the street and be judged not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And I think that's what slowly happens. It'll take a while. It's going to take a while. But on the other hand, with blacks, we have another problem, of course, with black. blacks. Blacks, it, it's a... Uh, how should I put it? It, it's a social consciousness that they have arrived, and blacks are like nobody else, anybody else. So it's a certain awareness of their social register that they will go along with the white because to them it means they've arrived. And I could see that. A lot of the white doctors I trained, they will go to them rather than come to me. Because to them going to a white doctor, the kind of he pronounces his name, maybe he's German or something, isn't this big. I can see that. I don't resent that. I, because I try to understand where they're coming from. You
0: talking about black
1: doctors. Black people. Black, black no, people. not black doctors. Black people black in the community. Uh-huh. They'll go to some white doctor in Clayton or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, because and, that's, and,
0: yeah. that's...
1: It shows they've arrived financially.
0: That he'll take them.
1: Yeah, he'll take them. And, and it's a good talking point at the card game, at the poker game, at the bridge club. Mm-hmm. Just like, the, oh, I'm sending my child to Oxford. I'm sending my child, I say, to Harvard, to get Harvard. It's a good talking point. Now, I understand I'm getting very kind to talk with Jewish people. They have that same problem. They have it. And, and, and the whites. The more I integrate myself, the more I see this is not just characteristic of blacks. It's characteristic of people that are anxious to show that they are people of competence and of means. That's why they get their Mercedes. It's a nice talking point. I got I got that well. But I found again that the richer the person becomes, the less he dwells on the cars. The less he dwells on where his kids are being trained. People that don't have the means jump at that as a means of of, uh, informing people that they have the means. The person that really has the means never brings it up because he knows (laughs) you know what he's got. And I found that working for a Ford Motor Company. Ford would drive up there in the smallest car you could ever find. Well, here was a multi-multi-millionaire. And I found Shining Shoes in Detroit. I learned a lot about people, that the richest people gave you the smallest tip. They give you a dime or a nickel, fine. This guy that didn't have nothing would pull out his pocketbook, gave you a dollar to them, that, maybe be all these guys. He was trying to impress me. So this, this is life, it is nice to understand. That. See, that the big people, they don't have to ride around in Mercedes or Rolls Royce. You know they got them, they know they may drive up in a Pinto, so uh, that is not part of their everyday society, you see. So I think, mean, so this is what I'm saying to you, that there's certain blacks today that will never have a black doctor, no matter how good he is. And I'm saying this on, I know some. Yet, they're sending their kids to school to be doctors. It's ironic. I said, no, wait a minute. I told one because they were pretty good friends. If everybody felt the way you feel, how is your son gonna make a living? I can talk to you honestly, because you and I have been friends for 30 years. Who is he gonna treat, all white? He no, dog. Well, when's the last time you've been to a white doctor? I well, do black doctor. Black doctor. Well, I have been to one 20, 30 years. you got an So this is what I'm saying. So you see how ridiculous mm-hmm. this thinking can be.
0: How have your, uh, how have your, the reality of your life lived up to your expectations?
1: Well, uh, my realities have been, I've been encouraged by the fact that some things in which I have no control happened, which, and I'll give you one incident to me that turned me around. I was selected to be an associate member of the Board of Operations, which is indeed a I see you examining candidates from all over. I knew I'd made one of the highest marks on the board as ever may, made because Dr. Green, who was secretary of the board, told me. Mm-hmm. Is that still Yeah, right? it's still yeah. kind of good. Oh. So, when I was selected to be an associate, and I was the first black in the country given that honor to be actually an examiner for a board in medicine. Ophthalmology. I was the first. First. The first black, one. I was in nineteen fifty nine. First. The first black ever to examine on any board. Examining for medicine, mm-hmm. and a specialty board. That was quite an honor, nineteen fifty nine. So examining your own peers. Yeah, but I, but I asked them, what was the greatest thing that I did that made you feel I was confident in this job? That that wellness might shock you because you've done a lot of work to you. You've done a lot of work at St. Louis University. You've done a lot of work with American College Surgeon. But what you don't realize is that the thing that we felt made you of was the work you did at Homer Phillips Hospital. Almost fell off the door. Yeah. Why? Because the doctors that you trained, every one of them did well on this board. That told us something right there. And we got nothing but good recommendations about your teaching and how you took these doctors and helped them and trained them. And the result of that was when they came before this board and there they had their records right in front of me. This is how they did. And we know because they had no other training but yours. <laughs> At that time they said they couldn't get anywhere else. You trained. We felt you're the man to come on this board and examine with us. Well, that's what I'm saying. Great reason. Yeah, that to me showed the power again of Homer Phillips Hospital. This is what I tell people. This this virus, now. It was special. Mm-hmm.
0: It was a shining jewel. Right? Yeah, sure. And uh, if we so
1: were,
0: if we were to go into the reason of its decline, which we will not do, because we will do that maybe next year.
1: Yeah. Well, this is something I want when to I talk, talk about some other time because well, when talk, a lot of people have have wrong ideas of why it declined.
0: Well, it's important, and we will yeah. do that because yeah. uh, this year we will be doing we're 40s yeah. and 50s, and next yeah. year we'll be going into the
1: okay. The yeah. 60s but I'd be happy because that's another whole story. But there's a reason a lot of people don't understand. It yeah. was well, political. there's a whole lot of other factors. Yeah,
0: I want to thank you. Yeah. Let me ask you before we turn. This yeah. On, is there something that I have not brought up? To during these years uh, that you feel that uh, you would like to talk about?
1: Well Well, I would like to talk about the fact that it all hasn't been obstruction, it all hasn't been segregation. That the only way we can progress is by having people work with us white people primarily in strategic areas who helped us. These people, I can never say too much for them. A lot of them are anonymous and they wish to remain anonymous, but without them we could get nowhere because we were not in a position to help our own people. We didn't have the status, we didn't have the know-how, we didn't have, quote unquote, the connections. Now, therefore, they help us taking myself as an example. I couldn't get on the American Board of Ophthalmology staff unless somebody there wanted me. I couldn't go to New York University unless a professor wanted me. We didn't have no blacks there. So it had to be some white man who was interested in helping me. It had to be some white people that were interested in helping me. I couldn't get in the the St. Louis Ophthalmological Society unless there were five white doctors who were interested in me enough to go to this one man that was black? Now, if they hadn't been there, I wouldn't be in perhaps today. So what I'm saying is, this is an encouraging thing, and this is what I tell my residents. With all of the racial segregation, with all of the the, uh, segregation against you, don't be bitter, because once you're bitter, you lose everything. I say give every person a chance. Give a man a chance to show himself. Meet him halfway, or maybe Go a little beyond halfway. Be friends. Don't assume that everybody that has been against you—that uh, uh, everybody's against you—because some people are. Because then you hurt yourself, and you will keep yourself from progressing. Keep an open mind. I said and I've tried to live what I preach. Right now, I keep an open mind. I'm friendly. I go. You know, I smile. I'm very congenial, because I feel that these people weren't against me. But uh, they're helping me. But well,
0: you're giving it back.
1: Because yeah, I have to in, give back. We're
0: doing this tape, which will help sure. uh, make it. An sure. And when exhibit. these white
1: students come to me, I am try to be just as nice and help them as much as I you're can. You're
0: still teaching. Because sure. These
1: because to me, they had nothing to do with what's happened to me. Mm-hmm. It's up to me to be a teacher and put all this behind me. Mm-hmm. See because these same white people, now we got blacks over there in our program, these white doctors are being nice to my black students. They're nice to these people in the program my wife and I set up. Just the other day they told me, oh, these two people you got in there, they're just one. So this is what I'm saying. So, I mean, this is a continuing type of thing. Mm-hmm. They're nice, and the two people going to talk to them today, Dr. Lynette to Williams and other the other fellow from... for Baylor, mm-hmm. and they just tell them, they're just so nice. So this is what I want. And I think more and more is going back to what Martin Luther King said. We'll get there someday. With, where people would just be nice how,
0: to you. How old were you when your parents passed away?
1: Well, my, well let's see. My mother's still living. She's mm-hmm. 97. okay. I go up to see her about every three or four months. But my father died when he was 55. He died at the age of 55.
0: Give your mother a message for me. Mm-hmm. She sure did a good
1: job. Well, oh, thank you. That's so sweet. And I want to yeah. thank you. Yeah, well, I'm happy to. And you're doing a good job. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: any way I can do to help you? Well, you because, did. Because uh, I'm always available. Because this is a type of thing that I think should be known. It's okay. important. Yeah. Okay. okay.